Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. So, as we have talked through this series, uh, we started off by reminding us that all of us have imaginations that kind of run wild when we're kids, right? And our little imaginations, uh, one of the things that we're, runs wild is we believe that there's monsters. And, and sometimes we'll go to bed and, and the, we think the monsters are under the bed or we think they're, they're in the closet and so we're afraid of them and everybody does something different. But one of the things kids do oftentimes is they'll pull the covers over their head. They'll try to hide from the monsters or try to pretend they don't exist if they can, but they know that they're real and so they're covering and hiding from them. And, and as you grow up, you realize that those monsters don't really exist, or do you? Because you realize once you're an adult, um, there's still monsters in your life, and they wreak havoc in your life. It's just, they're just different monsters. And one of the monsters that wreaks incredible amount of havoc in our life is that money monster. And it destroy, it, it wreaks havoc, and that money monster, it can destroy our relationships. It destroys uh, uh, families. It destroys countries and companies. And so we've been asking this question, man, this monster that can be in our lives, how do we master it? How do we conquer it? How do we overcome the money monster that's wreaking havoc in our lives? And so we've said it really revolves around developing a habit in which we utilize three buckets with our money. And we, we put our money into three places. One of the places that we, what we do with our money is we, we have a give bucket and we will give some of our money away. And then we have a save bucket where we will save some of our income. And then there's another one. That's the live on the rest. And we live with what's left. We give, we save, and we live on the rest. And if we can do that, that gets us down the road and sets us up to be successful over the money monster in our lives. Now today I've entitled the message, Rich God, Poor God. Now the message isn't asking the question, is God rich towards me or is God poor towards me? This isn't a prosperity gospel teaching, which basically is, you know, it's a false gospel anyways. Anyway, it's a false gospel that asks the question, okay, what can I do? What can I do? What can we do so that God will be rich towards me? That's, that's not what we're doing here. We're talking not about how to get riches from God. We're talking about how can you and I be rich towards God? How can you and I be uh, generous towards God? Because the best way to overcome and to conquer the money monster in our lives is through generosity. Everybody say generosity. 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 It's the best way to overcome and conquer this monster in our lives, period. All other methods, all other strategies of trying to conquer this in our lives, it's going to come up short, and money will continue to wreak havoc in our lives. So the question we're asking ourselves today is, am I rich towards God, or am I poor towards God? Am I rich towards God, or am I poor towards God? Now, I'm not talking today about giving. Today, I'm talking about generosity. Giving and generosity are not the same thing, because here's what I think all of us know. Everybody gives. Everybody gives, but not everybody is generous. Now, what do I mean by that? See, giving or generosity is not random acts of giving. Most of us here, maybe all of us, we're good at random acts of giving. In other words, if there's a need that arises, 
You know, when we have the fires in California or the floods, you know, people respond and give. If if there's a need at the school, if kids need shoes, if there's a need in the church, man, we, if there's a circumstance, we respond and we step up and we give towards that. And I would say this, this church, LifePoint, we're really good at giving to needs. I love that about this church. And I would say this, I'm not against those random acts of giving. I say the more random acts of giving, the better. I'm all for that. And this church has, done ama- has been amazing with that. But genuine generosity transcends random acts of giving. Random acts of giving, it comes as a result of needs. Or if somebody makes a sales pitch to us. Or maybe we felt guilty, and so we were like, well, I need to give towards that. We will all give to something or someone when there's a need. But generous people, generous people, they move beyond the random, and they elevate their giving to new levels. Here's the key. Generous people reorder their lives and reorder their priorities around generosity. They literally make a change and reorder their entire life around being generous. And here's what's so exciting. When you and I learn to order our life around generosity, a few things happen. First of all, we're going to give more money than we could ever possibly imagine. We're going to save more money than we could have ever imagined. And, you know, since we're already giving, how can you save? But we will save more and we will consume less that we will actually be, put ourselves in a position where we can master the money monster that's been wreaking havoc in our lives because generous people give more, save more, and live on less. Jesus said, your generosity, you benefit when you're generous. He said this in Acts chapter 20, or Paul in quoting Jesus in Acts 20, said this, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, that word uh, blessed, it, you know, some of you know it means happy or satisfaction or satisfied, but it, the word does not mean a moment in time, like, hey, I give towards a need. There's a need, and so I give. It's not a moment in time. That word in the Greek refers to a way of living. In other words, Jesus is saying you will be blessed or happy or satisfied when you set up your life around giving rather than receiving, Jesus is telling you and I, man, if you can live a generous life, not just have moments of giving, we all give, everybody gives, but if you can set, revolve your life around and order your life around generosity, Jesus says, you will be happy or happier. Happiness is the outcome of a lifestyle of generosity. So how do we get there? Well, Jesus invites us, first of all, to think about this whole topic differently than maybe we have in the past, that we would change our perspective. Because most people have an assumption. And the assumption is that whatever comes to me, whatever income, finances, money comes to me, it's for me. And I could choose to give some of it away. You know, you can can come to you and you can still give it. It's, It's either for me to consume now or me to save it and consume later. And Jesus invites us to think differently about that assumption that we have that if, it's for, if it comes to me, it's for me. 
And one of my favorite passages on this topic is found in Luke chapter 12, which talks about this whole assumption. And Jesus has an incredible story. I talk about it every few years or so, and so we're going to run through it briefly together today. So turn in your Bibles, Luke chapter 12. Jesus is going to share a parable. And what's a parable? It's just a, story, a creative story that Jesus uses to get our minds thinking so he can make a point he's trying to make. And so Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 16, he says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And Jesus' listeners are probably thinking what the old saying says is, Yep, as usual, the rich get richer. Who's heard that phrase before, right? We've heard that before, the rich get richer. That's just how the world is. In fact, it's the same today. During the first year of the COVID pandemic, the 2,365 billionaires in the world increased their fortune by 54%. And at the same time, the amount of people living in poverty doubled. Yep, the rich get rich richer and the poor get poorer. So that's what you have here. It's happening then, it happens now. And so this rich man thought to himself, verse 17, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He's saying, I have so much stuff that I've ran out of storage to store all my surplus, all my extra. What am I going to do? Does he think to himself, you know what? Maybe I should give it away. That's not how he thinks. Here's what he thinks about his extra. He already has plenty, and now this is surplus. Verse 18, he said to himself, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my what? I'll store my surplus grain. This guy thinks the same way the majority of people think today. How do the majority of people think? The majority of us think if there's more, if there's extra, if there's surplus, it's for me. It's, bless you, it's for me to consume now or for me to consume later. Consume it now or consume it later, but it's for me. I don't know if you know, if you know this, but the self-storage industry in the United States is a massive industry. Did you know that? It's a huge industry. In the United States, Self-storage units total and the ability to store items or things or stuff um, has the ability to store, there's 2 billion square feet of storage for people to store their stuff. It currently is a $40 billion a year industry, and many people project over the next five years it's going to increase to a $120 billion a year industry. It's remarkable to think about. In 1984, there were 6,600 storage facilities in the United States. Now, there are over 50,000 storage facilities with 25 million individual storage units. We spend a lot of money to store our stuff. A lot of money. The average person spends who uses storage units, spends about $1,100 a year to store their extra. And when Costco has a sale on its black storage bins with the yellow tops, right, we go down and we buy more of those. 
And in fact, I don't want to know, but I'll bet you some of you have a stack of those at home that you're waiting to store the more stuff you have. Thanks for being honest, Mark, right? I actually have a few of them. I'm like, why did I buy these? Someone came up to me after last service and they were like, you know what? Uh, We have a policy on our house. We do not have any storage bins. I was like, dude, that's that's like, uh, uh, how's your marriage? You know, I'm like, man, really? Uh, so that was imp- that's impressive. But, but we store so much stuff. All the extra is for me. And what's so interesting about this perspective that it's all for me, it contradicts the myth that many of us believe. Many of us believe the myth that, that rich people are the ones who can be generous. Man, when that happens, when that day comes, when I have enough, then I can be generous. After all, they have surplus, but I don't. This is the myth that trips most of us up. It's the myth that prevents so many of us from becoming not just givers, everybody gives, but from becoming generous people. Here's how the faulty logic goes. We say to ourselves, since I don't think I'm rich, therefore I can't be generous. But one day... But one day, when I have more than I have now, then, that, then I can be generous. I just don't have what it takes to be that person today. I'm not in that stage of life. So here's what I want you to do, whether you write it down or take a picture with your phone on the screen. This is super important for you. Rich people are rich. Generous people are generous. And there is no correlation or connection between the two. Again, Rich people are rich, generous people are generous, and there is no direct correlation or connection between the two. If you're not practicing the principles of generosity right now, then when you think you're rich, whatever you think rich is, you're not going to all of a sudden practice the principles of generosity. You won't do that because, again, rich people are rich, generous people are generous, and there's no correlation or connection between the two. The reality is, Everyone, regardless of their income, can be generous. It doesn't matter what your income level is. You can be a generous person. person. And so you have this rich guy, and he's not generous because he believes that all he has is for him, for him to consume now, uh, which makes him a consumer, and for him to consume later, which makes him a hoarder. And so in this case, he's going to hoard even more of his surplus. And he's going to, again, it's a mind-boggling thought. He's going to tear down his current storage units to build bigger storage units to store more of his stuff. And some of you go, well, that's just, you know, that's not, things don't happen like that today. Oh, really? The NFL. Are they all using the same stadiums they originally built? No, we're going to tear this down and build a bigger stadium. Baseball, basketball, we're going to tear this down and build a bigger, better, brighter, whatever the case may be. It's in us to tear down and build bigger and store more for ourselves. So, I'll say to myself, verse 19, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Man, you read that and go, that's what I've been aiming for. That's what I've been going after. That sounds good to me. 
I'm saving up and hoarding and consuming and living for myself and doing everything I can so I can get to that point so that I can take life easy, so that I can go on my vacations, that I can see the world, that I can have fun. And again, we're thinking that sounds great. Verse 20, but God. Now let me just tell you this, anytime in scripture you all of a sudden get a but God, you might want to tune in. Because whatever direction something has been going, there's going to be a change of direction. And so this person's like, yeah, this is great. Eat, drink, live life. I got so much for me now. I got a ton for me later. See the world, have fun, enjoy. But God said to him, you fool. Everybody say fool. Don't look at the person next to you when you say it. Say the word fool. Say the word fool. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Well, that wasn't in the cards, right? Now, God didn't call him a fool because he was rich. That's not why he called him a fool. God called him a fool because he was confused about priorities, about what mattered most. The guy thought he had plenty of time to consume now and to consume later. But Jesus says, your time's up. Your ticket is punched. Tonight you're going to die. And then Jesus asked a question. It's the same question he asked you and I. You're going to die tonight. Imagine if you were to die tonight. You're going to die tonight. So Jesus says this, verse 20. So then, who is going to get what you have prepared for yourself? Okay, all this that you've been saving for now and living and consuming now, and you've been saving just for your future and your, your surplus for your future, but guess what? You're dying tonight. So now, then, who's going to get all of that stuff that you prepared for yourself? Who's going to get it? Not you. Somebody else. Because tonight, your life has been demanded from you. All that stuff he saved to consume later He's not going to get that opportunity, but somebody else will. And then Jesus, being this brilliant teacher that he is, he's going to step out of the parable, and now he's going to ask us a question, or he's going to make a statement, because we're asking, okay, what does this whole story mean? It's an interesting story. What does it mean? And Jesus says, Luke chapter 12, verse 21, he says, this is how it will be. And what's the this? Well, the this is total loss. Because again, he's going to die tonight. And all that he saved for his future, he's gone. He's dead. He passes away. And so all that he saved, this is how it will be. Total loss. You don't get to spend any of that in the future because you're going home or you're dying tonight. This is how it will be. Total loss for you. And here's the point of the story. Here's the message Jesus wants you and I to grab a hold of. This is how it will be for those who do what? who store up things for, what's the word? For themselves, but are not what? Are not rich towards God. But those who are not rich towards God. Jesus is saying to you and I, if we do not invest or put our finances towards God-related priorities, rich towards God, then he says that's a total loss for us. The, the consumer mindset says, hey, everything that comes to me, it's for me. Consume now or consume later. Either way, the generous mindset says, all that comes for me is not just for me, but it's also for God-related priorities. That's rich towards God. 
The generous person doesn't assume it's all for their consumption now or in the future. Generous people, they recognize and they realize since it's all going to be taken away eventually. You've heard the phrase, right? When you die, you can't take it with you. Um, You've heard that phrase. Generous people recognize that. Uh, I was in Tahoe a few years ago, and I took this picture, a couple of these pictures of a hearse, and I thought it was interesting. Notice what it says. Can you read in the front rows what it says, the license plate? What does it say? One-way ticket on the hearse. I thought that was pretty cool. One-way ticket. So it just really grabbed me. And, And I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking that to myself. As you look at that picture, when you die and you put in the hearse, it's going to be you and your casket. There's no room in there for your stuff. You can't take it with you. It's just you. That's it. It's all going to be taken away from you, if you will. And the generous person recognizes when my ticket's punched and I have my one-way ticket and I don't get to take it with me, so I need to now, while I have time, because I don't know if my time's tonight, while I have time, I'm going to send some of it to God-related priorities now. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 here, verse 15, he said, Beware and guard against every kind of greed. Because life isn't measured by what you own. And so Jesus recognized, man, there's all sorts of greed out there. In fact, it's important to understand that the greedy people, they can still give. In fact, greedy people can give a lot. But you can still be greedy. So some people who are greedy will give. We all give. But Jesus is inviting you and I to step off the crazy greed train. And step into a life, not being a consumer, but to being an extravagantly generous Jesus follower. And we've been saying through this series, the way you do that, the way you master the money monster in our lives, the way we avoid experiencing total loss that Jesus is talking about here, when we store it for ourselves but we're not rich towards God, the way you avoid that is you give and you save and you then live on the rest. You give, you save, and then you live on the rest. And so as we wrap up this series, I want to help you with just that give component, just practically for the next couple minutes. What steps can you take so you can be rich towards God, so that you can master the money monster in your life, so that you can be rich towards God and not experience total loss? So let's talk about that give component. How do we be rich towards God? Well, it starts with a premeditated plan. If you want to be rich towards God, if you want to be generous, it means you're going to plan ahead. Generous people are all guided by a plan. They're not guided by their circumstances or their emotions. Generosity is premeditated. In fact, nobody is going to drift into generosity. It doesn't happen. Nobody will drift into generosity. The only plan that you and I will drift into, which is the majority of people's plan, and it's not premeditated, you just drift into it. The majority of people drift into the plan where they consume or spend first. If they happen to have some and they have a little, they'll save some. And if there's anything left, then they'll kind of entertain the give component. If there's anything left over. 
But I want you to hear that that is a terrible generosity plan. If you don't pre-decide where you're about your money, if you don't pre come up with a premeditated plan, the kingdom of God and God's kingdom priorities, they're just going to get your leftovers, not your first. Man, that's a bad plan. And we run the risk of ending up in the total loss category that Jesus is talking about. So how do you be generous? How do you be rich towards God? You have a premeditated plan. Being rich towards God, that premeditated plan means that you will then have a predetermined amount. Your premeditated plan includes a predetermined amount. That you purposefully and prayerfully seek God about what it is that you will give and how much you will give. Generous people choose the amount they're going to give. It's not random. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says this. Each of you should give what you have what? What's the word? What you have decided. What you've decided in your heart to give. Your plan decides how much am I going to give. Now, practically speaking, I want to help you with this. The best way to think in, turn of, in terms of the amount you will give towards kingdom-related priorities, the, amount, the best way to think of it is in terms of percentages and not an amount. It's best. People who've been doing this for a long time, they know. Think in terms of percentages of your income. I'm going to give 2%, 4%, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20. I'm going to give a percentage of my income. It's the best way to develop the generosity muscle in our lives. And again, as a reminder, generous people give it before they consume it. They give it before they consume it. And so when you get paid, when you get a bonus, when you get an inheritance, when you get a gift, whatever the case may be, you say, I'm going to give a percentage away first as a, my priority of being rich towards God. Now, some of you will say, man, pastor, I get it, I understand it, I even want to do this. And I have these conversations every year. And they, you say something like, the numbers just don't pencil out for me. And I'm one of those people who spend more than I make and I'm in de- debt and this and that. And I just want you to understand, to know, I do understand that. I really do. But I want to encourage you for a moment if that's you. And oftentimes it's more people than we realize. If that's you, I really genuinely want to encourage you. And I want to encourage you with the testimony of testimonies of those who have gone before you in this generosity journey. That there are people in this church, that there are people who have shared with me their testimony, who have said, the numbers don't make sense on paper, but I want to do it God's way. And I want to trust God in this. And I'm scared and I'm afraid, but I'm going to try it. And I'm going to step out and my way hasn't been working, so I want to try it God's way. And every one of them will say to you, I did it, and I took the step, and I gave 1% or 2% or whatever the percentage. I went all in and gave this or this or this, whatever. But they entered into the journey, and they started. And that's why for some of us, seriously, some of us, you're upside down, and you can't even imagine giving a dollar, okay? Well, maybe you're 1%. 
to start the journey. Again, has your plan been working? And every single one of them will say, they stepped in it, they didn't know how, how it's going to work out, but at the end of the day, they got through the month. At the end of the day, there's still God provided for them. And at the end of the year, they look back and they go, oh my goodness, it's the first time I've ever done that. And I was able to give. You know, that's why some of you, that's going to be your step. And I want to encourage you with the saints who've gone before you, take that journey of faith and trust God. I can tell you this just practically. You'll end up feeling better about yourself. Because this topic, you, some of us, it just, it's hard for us and we don't feel good. Because we want to, but we don't know how to get there. And not only will you feel better about yourself, but you're going to feel better about your faith in God. Because you know that you, God, I'm entering into this journey with you. And I know it's going to be hard. And I know it doesn't make sense on paper. But frankly, isn't that what faith is all about? That we trust God even when we don't see it? And so I literally, I just want to encourage you to say, you can do it. And I don't know what it's going to look like for you. And I don't know your exact circumstances. And again, people will come up to me and they'll want to share their circumstances. And, and when I'm talking to you one-on-one, man, I just ache with you. And I, I, I just, it's hard and I understand. But standing on stage, I want to give you the admonishment collectively to all of us. And some of you might say, enough's enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired with my finances and money wreaking havoc in my life. I'm going to try it God's way. You have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. 1 Timothy 6, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust or their confidence should be in God. Man, this is a trust issue. It's a confidence in God issue. Where's your trust? Where's your confidence? Is it in the God... If this is a one you believe will save your soul, don't you think he can help you with your money? So I invite you to take that journey to be rich towards God with the, uh, your premeditated plan includes a predetermined amount. And then finally, being rich towards God is giving towards a predecided place. Generous people predecide where it's going to go. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, your heart will always be where your treasure is. And think about that. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. That means when, when your treasures, if you're you know, buying that huge giant TV, you know, part of your heart's there, man. You love that. You buy that house, part of your heart's towards that house that you just purchased. That vehicle, that item, whatever the case may be, part of your heart's there. And when you give towards kingdom-related priorities, part of your heart goes there. Jesus doesn't care about your stuff or your money. He wants your heart. And so he knows the way to get your heart is that you are giving towards kingdom-related priorities because your heart goes where your treasure is. So Jesus invites us to take the journey. Proverbs chapter 3 and Malachi chapter 3 both say to bring your first fruits to God. That's why we say give, save, and live on the rest in that order. Bring your first fruits to God, to kingdom-related priorities. You pre-decide where it's going to go. And let me just say this. For those of you who are sitting here and you're saying, ma'am, this topic just kind of gets under my skin. 
or you get angry, or you get frustrated when me or the church talks about this. And man, the, the greatest day of your life in church environment is the day the series ends. You're like, finally, let's get back to some other stuff. Leave me alone about this. Then perhaps the Holy Spirit's just speaking to you. Perhaps God is talking to you when you're sensing that and feeling that. And I would say this, this is so important to me that you get this right because I know the testimonies of people and I want you to experience freedom and joy in Christ and to be free from the love of money and to be, have contentment and not have the money monster wreak havoc in your life. So when you pre-decide where it's going to go, if there's something in you that says, yep, the church will want my money, pastor will want my money, whatever, if you're going down that road, Give it to some other kingdom-related priority. Seriously, do it. Don't let any of LifePoint, me, the church, a local church, don't let any of that get in the way of you taking the journey that God wants you to take. So let's remove any potential excuse. Give it to some kingdom-related priority. If that's you, if you need to dip, go for it. And I, I support you in that. I want you to get this right. I want you to win. I want you to glorify God with all of your life. I want God to have your heart. So, would you be willing to be generous? Would you be willing to come up with a premeditated plan that you pre-decide how much you're going to give? You're going to pick a percentage, and you're going to decide where it's going to go. Because if you do that, you will end up giving more, saving more, spending less, and being more content. And Jesus said, when you order your life around generosity, you will be far happier. You will be blessed, he said. You will be satisfied. Who wouldn't want that? So, would you be willing to join God, to join Jesus? He was the greatest giver of all time. Gave his life for us. Would you become a generous person? you give, save, live on the rest. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.